everyone. Welcome to episode 322 of This Is Whole Life. And Ken's looking a little dejected today, and I think I know why. Tell me. God on the big screen. Ken's, his his blockbusters, they're done. They're gone. They're they're over. You're going to miss Tuesday nights at the church, my I friend. I am going to miss it very much. <laughs> I am already. That's why I'm, you know, t- yeah. we're taping this on Tuesday, and I was just thinking, I... I'm not going to uh, see a movie tonight. I've you're all movied out. Got something else going on now. Uh, is yeah. it any good? Tuesday night what, replacement for a movie night, or is it is it well, Ken sitting in the uh, Florida Conference constituency session meeting that's happening at seven o'clock this evening? And Man. and can I get a ticket? Is, well, uh, you know, I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they'll let you in or not. I I anyway, there's a pre meeting for that. Do you and, know something I don't know that they wouldn't let me in? I don't know. I mean, I think you have to be a delegate to go. I don't know. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Well, yeah. then I'm probably not because I didn't get any notifications. Yeah. You should have told was. us a little earlier, yeah. right? Because oh. yeah, if you'd let us know, we could have hooked you up. <laughs> could have got you, gotten you in. All right. Well, I don't know these things, so I got to know ahead of time yeah. so I can get my well, name well, on the list. Believe me, I'll keep that in the back of my head for about <laughs> for five years three. from now. Yeah. That's right. If you need a delegate, you know who you can count on. I'll be happy to go. All right. This week was our final message in this series, God on the Big Screen, which all the movies have been really, really good. The messages have been good. So if you've missed any of the podcast or any of the messages, you can catch them both in podcast form. You can catch them on our website, wholelife.church slash live, and you can find all the archives there. And before we begin, we have a response that came in via text message last week after we taped and released uh, the episode with Dan Merchant, and I believe this came up in the bonus episode, but I didn't go back to check because they were a long, it was a long episode. So it was either in the regular episode in the bonus, but I believe it was in the bonus where the question was asked to Dan and then uh, prompted this uh, response. Yeah, I think Stanley asked the question. I think you're right. I think Stanley I think did. it was in response to um, Stanley talking about uh, movie projects that he's worked on and as a Christian, how you how you make decisions on yeah. On what project you're going to work on. And for Stanley, you go to film school at Southern and you have a Christian background and you, you know, what do you do if there's no Christian projects to make and this is what you do and how do you get, how do you choose your projects and what's, right. what's, what's within the parameters? Which is, it was a great question to ask to uh, Dan Merchant, who's, who's been in Hollywood for a little while. Yeah. And who's yep. doing it. So the text reads, last week's podcast, I want to respectfully and lovingly disagree with Dan's assessment of it being okay with the participation of putting out a zombie Z Nation program. We each have to be responsible for what we put into the world with any of our jobs. Agreed that we can witness to those around and behind the scenes in our jobs, but I do not believe that justifies the end with that product. The whole premise alone is is appalling as it is in any horror movie. Once those scenes are in your mind, it's forever there. You do not remember the empathy part. Young minds are so very impressionable, and I feel adults should not be taking those images in either. We're living in a time where violence in our schools, churches, malls, movies, theaters, grocery stores, parades, and the list goes on. Is horror enough in real life? Shouldn't we be fixing our minds on what is pure, true, and right? Stanley asked, how do you approach and it being okay to do some projects. I feel if any of us in our jobs get an inkling that this might not be good for anyone, including ourselves, that you should probably walk away. What is the line from the song I think Pastor Ken's daughter, Kyla, wrote? I don't want to live in the worldly mind. Let my mind be completely changed. Sorry for the long text. Just felt I needed to share my thoughts. 
Well, I'm glad they did. Yeah, thank you for sharing your thoughts. That's what the uh, that's why that's we do what it. This is for. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's so, good. regarding the do, do you have do you have an opinion one way or the other? First of all, I don't want to throw Dan under the bus here on the no. decision that he decides to make, and I think we all make decisions that other people may not always agree with, and which I'm glad that she spoke up because I think it is something to be considered. Uh, I I think that all of us get a chance to I I see how we all, you know, make decisions at different times. There's been parents who have said, this is how this works for my kids. Yeah. And so they have to make decisions as a family. I'm not saying what Dan did was right or wrong. I just think that we have to look at how we make these decisions and what really creates a pathway forward for us. And that's what Dan, I think, was trying to say is that our purpose, the, the purpose, actually Ken mentioned this last in his sermon to, this week too, our purpose should always be very clear as to what our life is going to be about. But there's not always a straight line to that. And obviously what she's saying is she's saying, no, the ends don't justify the means. And that's, you know, that's very, very true, especially when you think of some ethical issues. But I do think that we do sit back sometimes from the sidelines and don't see it always the same way as people who are in the trenches making those decisions. I've seen it before in myself when something's come up and something that I was, I wasn't convinced I wanted to do necessarily. Um, could have been good money. It could have been, I had to for job purposes. Um, and then I've also looked back on it later in some cases and said, that was really dumb. I don't, yeah. really, I don't really think that was a big issue looking back on it or vice versa. It's been both ways for me. But where I was at the time I had to make the decision, it felt like a big deal. And I'm not sure I've always, well, I'm pretty sure I didn't, a few times I didn't make the right decision. So it's hard to judge sometimes where you're at in your life, in your journey. And I'm not putting that on Dan in any way, shape or form. I think he was, I think he was pretty confident in his decision. And I think, you know, by the sounds of it, he'd make that decision nine times out of 10 or 10 out of 10. Uh, for him. And again, I, that's, you know, that's something we all have to do. But but I appreciate the idea that if that's something that, you know, this person would not do personally, well, then that's definitely something that you stand on and say, yeah, if I'm that convicted, I definitely need to say this is not for me and yeah. and be confident in that and, and not back down because someone else, because, like, you know, if you were talking to Dan, he would probably say, well, I, obviously, I think it's I think it's a pretty good idea. So you could, you know, have a conversation and both, you know, stand up for what you believe in and, and be confident. And but everybody has different ways of looking at these things. And I think sometimes we have to be very mindful of the things we do and how they affect others. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely echo that. And um, knowing Dan as well as I do, I know that Dan thought about it prayerfully and made a decision on what he felt like was the right way to go. It's one of those decisions that those of us who work, who have worked or will work outside of a church's employment, we'll have to make on a pretty regular basis is where where the lines are for us and what we what we think is appropriate, what we think is not appropriate. For me, it would be pretty easy to come down in in complete agreement with what was written. I don't like zombies. I don't like zombie yeah. movies. I don't <laughs> like horror movies at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so for me, it's very easy to say, yep. Wrong 100% decision. agree. <laughs> um, and yet, I also really, really, really enjoyed Hacksaw Ridge, um, which was was pretty gory. And we can say, well, that's based on a true story, but it's still, there's a lot of violence in it. And so it's a little harder for me on 
that. And so, but I, I see, for me, I see more redeeming features out of a true story. All that to say is, I really appreciate the person writing in and saying what they did. I agree with a large part of it. And at the risk of sounding like I'm trying to please all sides, which I'm not, um, I also know Dan really well. I know what a heart he has, and I know what you know. He'd spent a large, he'd spent a number of years investing his time and his money into creating God, uh, Lord, save us from your followers, and it was um, a financial nightmare for him. I mean, he wound mm, up with yeah. a lot of issues, and uh, and as he told me, he said, "So I had to, we had to invent ways for zombies to to die for." five years to dig myself out of that hole. And you might have even said it on the show. And I think we can all say, well, you know, have you you could say, well, have faith, find have a different faith, project yeah. or or whatever. And but none of us have walked in Dan's shoes. And what I do know is that Dan loves Jesus, cares about Jesus, cares about God. And at the same time I would say that I know for myself there were things that when I worked in television news, I just had to say no on. You know, I was asked, uh, you know, as the TV anchor, I was asked to um, uh, be the, uh, the uh, uh, what would you say, the MC for uh, some MMA fights that were happening on the island. It was something I chose to decline doing, even though it was extra revenue and extra whatever, because for me, it, it didn't fit with what I felt like I wanted to be promoting as, as a Christian. I think to the, the main point, each one of us should very thoughtfully consider the decisions we're making in our business practice, in our life, and no amount of work, money is worth it to do something that doesn't glorify mm. God. I say all that, and yet I know Dan well enough that I know that that he felt like he was doing. I think that respectful conversation that we're having can come in. We can have that kind of conversation. People can kind of think about it on their own and say, well, what would I do? What will I do? What won't I do? And know where those lines are for you that you've talked about with Jesus and come up with. Thank you for sending that in, whoever yeah. you are. And I appreciate the opportunity to be anonymous with that as well. Yeah. And thank you so much, because those are all things that we can, we like have this conversation, conversation about and, yep. and, uh, and, yeah. and be free with it. All right. Back to now or on to A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And one of the things you started with, which I didn't know, was the uh, life Life is for service in the plaque. Life is for service, yeah. And that he had it in Mr. Rogers' kept it laminated, yeah. And kept it with him. Picture, yeah. It seems kind of like, well, it's kind of like a old-fashioned thing. I feel like George Costanza where you got a 40-degree lift because you're (laughs) sitting on that giant wallet that you can't close because it's too much stuff like your grandpa had in it because that's what you do. You put it in your wallet. But when you think about that, like this was something that was so ingrained in him. And I was like the biggest, I mean, every day when I was a kid, I remember it was Mr. Rogers and then it was Sesame Street. That like, that was my, (laughs) that was my lunch break. And so I was a huge Mr. Rogers fan, but I almost felt like Mr. Rogers was maybe part of the land of make-believe riding the trolley. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know he was all those characters or many of those characters, also the puppeteering and all that behind the scenes. But did either of you know anyone even remotely like Fred Rogers, anybody like anyone in your life that was just like so soft spoken. I've known a couple carefully chose yeah. all of their words. Yeah. Always had a smile on their face. Yep. I never met anybody like that. <laughs> like, like, really? Not close. You know, um, I'll, I'll give, I'll throw out a shout out to somebody that, that I think of 
and like that. And that's the um, he was the youth director for the Southern Union for many many years. His name was Alan Williamson, oh, yeah. and Alan Williamson always had a big smile on his face, and he. I didn't. I now see. I only. I really only knew him as a teenager and child. So I don't know what he was like in meetings and things like that. But I did work with him briefly. I think when I was a youth director, and for me, he he was one of those soft spoken, or he, he would he. I don't know if soft spoken is the right word, but he was deliberate about what he said, and he he always kind of had this very positive, upbeat attitude and, and he loved kids. And so, yeah, that's mm. that's one person that kind of comes to my mind. And I can think of a couple others that, yeah, they do. They take their time when they speak and they- Did they... it seem genuine though? Like like you, because sometimes I think those people that are so calculated and, and seem so happy, it's like, well- no, what, but what, To what... me, but I don't know. I guess that's where I see things. For me, Mr. Rogers didn't always seem happy. He just seemed- Positive. Positive might be the word that I would use as opposed to happy. He, he seemed – because he, he would explore really heavy subjects and he didn't, he didn't like laugh all the way through or, you know, no. even – it was – I think for me, like people like that can come across fake until you get to know them. And then if you see them behind closed doors and you see them in those other experiences and you can go, oh, yeah, this this is the real deal. This person is is that person. And – you know, by all accounts, Fred Rogers was who Fred Rogers was. Yeah. He was not putting on a show. And, you know, I kind of had that attitude about him a little bit, too, that he was kind of maybe uh, you know, he had to be fake. And I've watched a lot of documentaries and read a lot of books and magazine articles on him. And if he was a fake, he he was he, he was, was the one, of the, one of the best out there because he really seemed to be who he who he said on and off the screen. And, and at the same time. Never claimed to be perfect. Never claimed to be a saint. Neither did his family. They, you know, Fred is Fred is a human being just like everyone else. You heard it in the movie. Yeah. The funny thing about watching this movie, spending some time, it really made me think about, you know, just being a nicer person. What it means to maybe just slow down. I just got done. Jordan, if you're listening to this, I just finished finished the ruthless elimination of hurry that you recommended. Back when you were on the podcast. Oh, did and, you get the book? Uh, yep, I read oh, it. Man. It's done. That book really, along with, it's funny how this kind of paired with that, with this movie this week, just really kind of, really has made me stop and think about the pace at which I do things, even the pace of that I talk. And I think that when you think about one of the reasons why Mr. Rogers maybe spoke a little bit more slowly is that if you speak more slowly, you can be a little bit more deliberate and precise with the way you speak. When you talk That's fair. the way that I do, um, it's kind of stream of consciousness at times, and uh, <laughs> that, that can be problematic. So, um, so I really do. I really respect that aspect of Fred Rogers, and I think it'd be nice if the world had more, more kindness in it, more, more thoughtfulness. I think early on, Ken, uh, Ken, I think he realized how when speaking with children, there was a cadence and there was mm -hmm. a tone that, that mm. worked. And so he probably developed, you know, his wife said, you know, he practices mm -hmm. this. But I also think that we put too much weight on the way a person might talk or express himself or herself 
as meaning that's authentic. And I think that the behavior piece is missed. And you're right. You watch somebody on television. You don't know them behind the screen. You don't know them, what they're really like. But Fred, we learned who he was really like behind the scenes, his behaviors, his purpose, his reason for doing things. So I think it would be hard. I would be hard pressed to say that Fred was not authentic. He would be much more authentic than most. So a little sidebar, after reading the book, are you supposed to read the book slow? Because <laughs> you finished that pretty quick. I didn't know if that was like if there was any rules. Come on. <laughs> Why are you picking on me like that? It's been at least four weeks. That's, that's, that's plenty, plenty, that's plenty, plenty of time. Plenty of time for a book? Come on that's now. Awesome. That's awesome. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jokes aside, probably the thing I, I picked out of the out of the message that I liked the most and maybe struggle with the most is you said in the movie, both Vogel and Mr. Rogers believe their lives are for service. <laughs> and yet you take two different views of what service is, with air quotes here. Vogel's like, look, I got to find out every last detail. I got to strip it down to the bare minimum, find out you know, what happened, who, who did what, and how they do it, and when they do it. And Mr. Rogers was just show the truth in that, yeah, he was flawed like everybody else, but man, weren't we all worth something more than a lot of times what others would say about us? And probably most important about what we thought about ourselves, he would talk about talking to yourself and how you're a good person and all those little things he would throw in there that he, as a kid, you didn't even realize he was doing. Mm -hmm. You, You thought it felt good and it was. And that made me think about when we, we look at things just high level, what should I do today? I can pray a prayer. I can talk to God on a superficial level or do I really take the time and do I really, do I really see the service that he wants and out of my life? And of course, the answer is far too often. It's not as good as, <laughs> as what it should be or what I'd like it to be. But then walking that line of feeling confident in your love of God and in your relationship, no matter where you are, because everyone's in a different place, especially when you feel like you're kind of alone a little bit or you're struggling and you're looking for just some piece that just seems to fit right after all the all what you're trying to do and you're trying to listen, you're trying to find, you're you're seeking and you're just, you know, you're you're waiting for the proverbial door to be open just a little bit and go, "Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one right there." Something you can kind of hang your head on and then go, "Wow." Now if I could replicate that or if I could apply that to other situations, but sometimes it just seems like it's a lot of information. It's a lot of feelings. It's a lot of even people speaking into your life saying, man, you know, you're, you really have a talent here. Or I really liked what you said. And they find something out of it. And maybe that's what it's for. But sometimes it's just hard to know, why am I getting this information? And I'm not really sure what to do with it. And I feel like I'm, just, I feel like I'm Fred Flintstone sometimes. Before the car takes off, you know, the wheel, the, the feet go for quite a while before the, before the car actually takes off. What makes the car take off? Time. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> and that's what I would just say. I think that it's like any other growing process. You know, when I was, believe it or not, I was one of the shorter kids in my class when I was before maybe sixth or seventh grade. Was that the, yeah. that was the spurt? Yeah, somewhere in like seventh <laughs> or eighth, somewhere in there. You know, you keep looking in the mirror wondering when you're going to grow. <laughs> you know, you eat your vegetables like you're supposed to, and you don't see any forward momentum. But sometimes it's just a matter of keeping on doing the things you're supposed to be doing. 
and letting time take care of the rest of it. And I think that's where it's good just to be reflective and look back, not not a week or a month, but look back two years, three years. Are you the same person you were then? Have you Do you see some growth out of that? That's mm. a much better representation of where growth is than looking in the mirror right now and saying, have I grown in the last minute? No, you haven't, but you're in the process. And so if you're doing all those things, as you're taking that information in, as you're asking God to help transform you, make a better person, it's I think it's it's helpful to do annual checkups on yourself, but I think it's also helpful not to spend too much time looking in the mirror. Hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes our goals for ourselves, I'm not saying we shouldn't have, and I think that they're really good, but I think sometimes we look at the time that it takes by looking at it from the standpoint of how come I'm not where I want to be. Mm. Yeah, that's true. As opposed to what did I, what difference for good or what difference for something that was challenging or what difference for something that I think was beneficial to someone else maybe. What did I do in the meantime? And I think that we are so caught up in how we look or how we're going to come out of this that we fail to realize that we're actually we have got a, a purpose right there in the meantime, so to speak, where yeah. we can truly make a difference. And my wife always tells me about her growing up. It was always guilt. It was always about guilt. Oh you know, yeah. If you don't, you're not going to measure up. And you know, we put shame. Shame follows right away. You know. And God, I don't think ever uses those two motivations. So I think He always uses conviction. Hmm. And he he helps us see, hey, look, first of all, <laughs> I still love you, <laughs> even though you're not where you want to be. I still love you. And by the way, it's not about you. You know, it's yeah. I've put you here for, for another reason besides just bettering yourself. And we get so caught up in navel gazing that we forget why we're really here. So I think that's fair, though, because yeah. I think we end up. Also, just not like you said, not seeing those those little things, but also realizing that it doesn't matter how bad we want it or how bad we think we should be at whatever pace, even as excited as we might be. And some good things may have happened in our relationship with God. And you think, well, you know, I always equate it now to Emily, where usually it's every couple months where all of a sudden you're just like, why isn't this sticking? We're doing everything. You're in multiple therapies. Everyone's telling you to do this, that, and the other thing, and it's going to work. And, you know, we're the professionals, and you're just like, I don't see it. Like, you know, <laughs> this isn't working. And then all of a sudden you get this breakthrough, yeah. and you're just like, yes. And now that's the new benchmark, but it's slow. And then you're just like, no, I, I don't want, I don't want this. I want their, I want a the microwave version. I, yeah, yeah. I, I want this done faster, but. Right. If you look back, and I'm sure if, if Vogel would be honest and look back over the time he had with Fred Rogers and how long that relationship went to the change in him, it's it's a lot it's a lot the same way. Well, it is. It's it's a tricky thing because when you read a book or watch a movie, it all takes place in, in yeah. a very condensed <laughs> period of time. Right. And even though you know that time is passing, only 90 minutes passed for you or – you know, depending on how long it takes you to read the day, you know, or the book, four weeks or, <laughs> four or, weeks. or a week or a day or whatever. It seems like it goes pretty fast. It's, you know, this happens a lot when people read the Bible. You'll turn a page and a and hundred years have gone by and you don't really stop and think about that, that 
that it just seems like it's all happening at once. And or five years or ten years. Think about Daniel. I mean, you kind of read this stuff and all this good stuff happens to him pretty quickly, and the bad stuff kind of moves on. And and yet, there's a lot of time. That goes a lot by. of time yeah. is going. Yep. I mean, even if you just think about how long it took him to get from Jerusalem to Babylon. You know, yeah. we, we kind of, well, you know, the, their captives were taken from Babylon to, or from Jerusalem to Babylon, and then they're put into this regime. Well, it was a easy, uh, I'm trying to remember how many, it was like five or 600 miles between Jerusalem and where Babylon was located. That's a, that's, that's a long trip on foot. That is a long, long yeah. trip, and not to mention as a captive and and so it's it's easy again for us to to look at biblical characters and think, man, things happen so fast for them. Well, he prayed and it happened. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen that fast in the Bible, even if you yeah. read it carefully. And and yeah. I think we need to be careful of of being a microwave society where we want God to work on on speed, uh, you know, at, at at light speed on us. And and there are times where God does do that, but there's also times where God takes decades to work on us. And think, I mean. Think about how quickly the, the chapters in the Bible and Genesis go by between when Moses kills the Egyptian and when God speaks to him at the burning bush. It's like, well, that's that's like ten verses or something. I mean, a chapter, you know. And it's you're you're there, and it's like, oh, but it was forty years. Was, yeah, <laughs> forty years. That's a long time. That is a long, long time, and there is almost no mention of what happened during that time period. Yeah, almost none. And yet, you know. That his character was being refined out in that wilderness, taking care of those sheep, doing that stuff over that 40 years. And I think, again, for those of you who are getting discouraged because God isn't changing you fast enough, 40 years for Moses, 40 yeah. years between between that, that that time period. And we ought to go ahead and have some grace for ourselves and and maybe also some grace for other people, that that good behavior doesn't just happen overnight. It's It's a process. And it takes time, like any anything that's worthwhile. It just takes time. Yeah, I like the fact that we touched on it a little bit. That you know, in the in the film, Mister Rogers' wife tells him, it tells Vogel that yeah, it um, you know, pro- he, it's practice. a, a problem. He practices it. This is you know, it's important yeah. to him, and and that he always talked about you know. How do you handle your relationships? How do you handle yourself with your feelings, and how do you identify those and those are things that I don't think most of us set out in the morning and go, well, let's identify the feelings for today. Let's make sure that. And by the way, she, <laughs> yeah, she did say, I don't like using that term saint. So yeah, yeah. we have to give ourselves a break on what we think our goal is. What, to, yeah, what we think that or how good it might be yeah. or could be. And, and so I just think that those are the, the pieces that we we maybe tr- avoid but then wonder why you look back on yesterday and go, man, that was kind of a dumpster fire, and why not? Oh, yeah, because you didn't even stop after you steamrolled this and you just let that go, and <laughs> you didn't identify how much better could that have been if we would have maybe shortened our cadence, taken a breath in between once or twice, and really evaluated what would happen. And I liked the the end of the message where Ken's like, I'm going to let Mr. Rogers take this one home. And he starts with this speech that was given to an award. It was an award ceremony, wasn't it? Was it? Lifetime Achievement. Lifetime Achievement. Yeah. And he said, fame is a four-letter word. And like tape or Zoom or face or pain or life or love, what ultimately matters is what we do with it. And he went on to talk about how 
people that are in a position of leadership, which if you're on TV, you're leading somebody that's into what you're talking about or what you're leading into. You think of being a Jesus follower and thinking, boy, fame is no good in that either. <laughs> and what we what we what we talk about and what we do being hopefully somewhat similar. But Lord, save us from your followers needed to be made. So maybe it's probably not as close to <laughs> what it should be as what it could be as we would like it to be, maybe. And I just thought that was something that we could hang our hat on to remember that I feel like everything, he never said anything just to say it or to make himself look good. And in the end, what does everyone remember about Fred Rogers. I'm like, the first thing is he was kind. Mm-hmm. He was kind to everyone. And if, if, if that's the best thing that worst, <laughs> you know, if we could be known for that, that'd be wonderful. You know, there's a reason why I closed it off with Fred is because I, I wanted him to say it. And I, and I didn't, you know, I was really tempted at the end to go, and I hope you heard what I wanted you to hear out of this because <laughs> there are a couple things that I wanted you to, to hear. And since you're listening to the podcast, you signed up for extra. So here you go. Hey, yeah. But the first thing I wanted you to hear was one of the major components of living a life of service is being aware of those who have been of service to you. And that's what he does with that 10 seconds. Where he, yeah, and and it's, cool. it's inspiring to think, I would like to be that person for somebody. I would like to have crossed somebody's mind when they had a minute to think about the people that have had a positive influence on their life. And, but it also fosters gratitude. You realize it's easy to look at all the jerks in the world that have have not been good to you. Mm, yeah. But you know, the truth is there have been a lot of people in this world that have been really good to me, that have really gone out of their way to, to better my life and make me a better person. And I'd rather spend my time and energy thinking about them and what they did and how I can emulate that, how I can do that for others. I love that. And then the second thing I wanted people to, that I hoped at least one or two people realized was that this was the perfect bookend to our first movie. Because in the first movie that we watched, Good Night and Good Luck, I really talked about how, you know, you can say, oh, don't watch movies, don't do this, don't do that. But we need to go ahead and think of the fact that, that movies have a place in society and we can use them for good or we can use them for bad. We can use them to do good things or we can use them to accomplish really horrible things. Uh, we can watch them thoughtlessly or we can ask ourselves, what's the message Hollywood is trying to send me in this? And, and I thought Mr. Rogers very well summed that, bookended it with, with those of us who in television have a responsibility, responsibility. Yeah. To, to use it. And it's not just people in television. It's those of us who consume it, too. We have a responsibility. We can bemoan the fact that certain shows get made, that certain movies get made. But the reason they get made is because they make money. <laughs> and the reason they make money is because people sit and watch it and pay to watch it. And whether that's paying by watching advertising, because, oh, I watch free TV. No, you're, you're, you're paying. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the point is uh, we can bemoan bad movies, bad TV shows. We can do that. The question is, are we watching them? Are we participating in that? Because when we watch it, we only encourage those kind of things Things to happen. And again, this is not me trying to sit here and tell anybody what God's telling you to watch or what not to watch, but I do want to tell you that you should be asking God what you should watch Watch. and what you shouldn't watch, because God does have an opinion, and he does want to talk to you about it. 
And as you watch these things, what is your purpose? Is it to grow, to be a better human being, to follow Jesus, or is it just to be entertained for 45 minutes or an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever the case may be? And so I really love the way that that Fred um, finished that sermon off, because to me it was—he said it in such a, a, a better way than I could ever say it, and I hope people caught that. To me, the the ending was really about legacy. What you saw on the screen, even in the in the midst of him accepting this award, which was very well deserved, showing that if you do things the right way, you can do things kind and you can be that person. And look at the run he had. Yeah. And look at the legacy he's left. I mean, I I've never met anybody that was like, well, that Fred Rogers, boy, I don't know about him. I'll just read a little bit more because there are people out there that bemoan the the things that he taught and that every kid is. You know, they they bemoan the fact that he taught every kid that he you know he, that he's part of the uh, everybody gets a trophy cult, uh, culture that that he's a part of the uh, you can be anything you want when in reality you probably can't be you know there's a lot of things I'd like to do that I'm never going to be able to do. Fred wasn't perfect, and and that's one of the things that I think we ought to all just kind of celebrate for a minute. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get everything right to make a big influence and do a lot of good things. And you can, whether you think that Fred was a, was a saint or whether you think that he had some flaws, I prefer to take the flaws route of things. And I think Fred would rather you take that route because what it tells me is that if I'm seeking Jesus and I'm seeking to do what he's wanting me to do in my life every day, the rest is up to him. Yeah. I don't have to stress about it. And if there are a few people who don't like me or a lot of people that don't like me, it's okay. Yeah. There are there were a number of people that didn't like Jesus. And if there are people that didn't like Jesus, then surely it's okay if there are a couple people that don't like me. A couple, but let's not get out of hand. A lot of people. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna go with a lot of people. <laughs> as long as as yeah. long as it's for the right reasons, right? Yeah. As long as it's is I'd rather be disliked for trying to do the right thing than being disliked for and failing at it. That, or not doing it perfectly, then be disliked for for being a jerk and just yeah. for genuinely doing the wrong thing, or just sitting back yeah. and doing nothing. doing nothing and say, well, you know, taking no chances. He was just so authentic as to who you know. You always felt like what you saw is what you get, and to me, that's one of the most important things of, of in life. Really, is mm-hmm. just being who you are and try not to be anybody that you're not. And yep. hopefully, that's the good, like in the Fred side, the mainly good <laughs> that you see that you do and you leave in this world. All right. The, we did have some questions we didn't get to. I believe there were, yes, two of them. Jem asked, how can one be the supportive person, character, Christian in everyday life without becoming invisible, even to yourself, and then burning out? Well, um, I think that, again, authenticity matters. And I think that if you are trying so hard that you're getting yourself to the side of burnout that's probably not mm. authentic and so i think that i think authenticity is just a big deal and if you sense yourself uh, burning out probably time to sit back and and ask yourself why what's going on priorities too i burnout. wonder if i wonder if she's or who was this uh j-e-m jam I'm, I'm not sure if it's a male or female but yeah. I wonder if they're 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 speaking about doing things and not being recognized mm. Because there just seems like I'm, I've, you know, I do and do and do and do and no, it doesn't seem to be appreciated. Yeah, I'm trying to be that person, but I don't see any. It doesn't yeah. seem to be. It could um, be creating any kind of noticeable 
of validation or appreciation or affirmation of some place. And, and I think that's very important. Uh, you know, obviously you want to have someone somewhere, someplace yeah. that says what, what you're doing means something to me. And, and you can get burned out if you just feel like you're on your own here and, and doing it. So that's a really good question. And I think probably if it's, if it's that, if we're on, on that piece, then I do think it is important to understand your motivation for doing it in the first place. It's not for recognition. But there are times when, you know, it is important for you to say, it, I think, you know, my wife and I think people who do things all the time, she will speak up or other people will speak up to me and say, hey, am I doing what I should be doing? Am I yeah. am I doing what you want me to do? Am, or or does this matter to you? I think it's important to make those checks from time to time. Well, I know that people that tend to be good listeners yeah. Yeah. and they tend not to be the fixers maybe so much where people will come back because <laughs> they, did, they didn't try to fix them, but they just, they listened, they were empathetic, they gave of their time, they went out of their way to be kind and to yeah. offer themselves as a, as a friend. And, and often those are just like, oh man, that was great. Thanks. Yeah. And it doesn't always feel like, wow, like what you did really changed the course of maybe just my day, but maybe it made a bigger impact. And I know I am have been not very good about going back and telling people that have made big impacts in even small situations, like, hey, thanks a lot for that. Because, you know, that really not only made that better, but that that's leaked over and into other areas. And I think that may be too, if you never feel like you're validated, except for the next time they need someone <laughs> to talk to without fixing them, I think that can be a real thing. But I also think too, you know, if, if you find yourself in that situation, then also look around and see people who are doing things for you and make sure you're doing that. Doing the, yeah, yeah, make well. sure we don't. So, yeah, yeah, that can be too. All right. Well, we have one more. Anonymous asked, if someone is toxic, is it okay to pray for them but not have an ongoing relationship with them? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I would agree. Toxic relationships need to be separated. Yeah. At all, sometimes the only little asterisk I would put on that is be sure that um, be sure you're not slapping that label on people without for, a lot of prayer for yourself first. Um, the, the the issue that we run into with this is that if if we run away from every toxic relationship in our life, we're going to spend a lot of time, time running. <laughs> um, and there yeah. are people that if we give them honest feedback changes can occur. And there are people that if we give honest feedback, we're going to get beaten yeah. up worse. And so just be careful about that label when you slap it on somebody and make sure it's not an excuse to not allow them to ever change. Because we're changed through relationship. People people get changed because they're in relationship, not because they're um, of outside of it. I think yeah. that's sort of the mantra of our, our podcast is that Everything has a bit of a. Uh, I'm going to make a disclaimer here. Or I'm going. To, <laughs> <laughs> is that well, Ken's mantra yeah. or the podcast? I think it's. I don't know if it's. But but we all have like. Well, it depends. So let's figure this out. Yeah. This one I've always gone with. A um, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, in a TV show that still exists in your local Hope TV channel, mm -hmm. Satellite Dish Network. Uh, we interviewed uh, Dick Tibbetts. 
oh, and yeah. uh, his book, Forgive to Forgive Live. Forgive to Live, yeah. And on set that day, I'll, I'll never forget it. I was on on the next show. We used to tape four or five on a, in an afternoon. And he said, part of it is always be forgiving, no matter how hard it is. He said, you and God have to find that way for you to forgive that person and the crime, whatever it was you know, done against you. But it doesn't mean you have to invite them over for dinner. It doesn't mean you have to hang out anymore. It doesn't mean that you have to be friends. But also, just like Ken said, you still have to allow at some point if that person wants to. And he's like, you know, no one can tell you what that amount of time is without knowing all the details. But at a time that seems okay, if they want to come back and, and speak, he's like, you're doing then yourself a disservice by not allowing them back into your life at least enough to say, you know, maybe it's I need to say I'm sorry. Maybe it's I would respect if you don't want to be friends still and we just need to stay apart. But, you know, maybe they're trying to make amends and maybe a relationship could be patched and, and redone and you could enjoy what you once did. Maybe obviously you can't take words back, but you could still repair things. And I always thought that was a really good way to look at it was, you know, get yourself right with God and forgive, <laughs> truly forgive. And do that for you so that you can be healthy. Let that person do what they need to do and work with God in their way. And maybe if it comes to pass, it, it could work yeah. again. And if not, well, that's you, you've done – you freed yourself and you've done what you needed to do. And I, I always thought that was really good counsel for bad situations or bad yeah. you know, relationships that have a bad crinkle in them at some point. Well, healthy relationships are always formed with healthy boundaries. Mm, yeah. So I think having an understanding of where – and by the way, toxicity in a relationship is a very subjective term. Yeah. Well. Um, so it it's very, very difficult for somebody to say, well, I don't get along with that person and that yeah. person is toxic to me. You got to weigh this and say, okay, what? Maybe I'm the toxic person, you know? So, <laughs> you know, you just, you, you have to look at it. But I do agree that a lot of times, Christianity means we need to love each other. That doesn't mean we all have to be hold hands and be friends and walk alongside each, each other. other. Yeah. yeah, excellent. All right. If there's anything we missed, something you'd like to add, uh, we would be happy to read your comment next time. And you can send those to four zero seven nine six five one six zero seven or podcast at wholelife church. But I feel like overall we got pretty good answers. I feel like we're you know three guys you can at least. Uh, between three angles, we ought to be able to find something in there that works. <laughs> Our final thoughts are from Ken's message, and it wasn't Ken. It was Mr. Rogers, and really for Mr. Rogers, to me, it was really his end of that speech. If you want to go back and listen to that either in our sister podcast, Speaking of Grace, swipe up and you can catch the ending. The, the way that that was set up for that lifetime achievement speech, the humility – and all the things that Ken mentioned he'd hope you take away from it, maybe listen to that one more time. I've already watched that part a bunch of times because it really it really kind of caught my attention. And, and there's a there's a lot in there if you just keep going through it. And each time, even on Saturday, watching it twice in person, it, new things came from it. And I, that, I think it's a good place to end for today. And so next week, we are going to be starting – is this a one-off? We are family all right. That's right. Uh, no, it's Did actually it's a series. Is it a series? Okay. It is a series. Oh, I'm yeah. well. There you go. Now we're going to talk to students and and kids, and we're going to talk to singles, to and we're going to talk to marriages. So yeah, we got a couple that we're going to be doing there. 
Okay. And that yeah. starts next week with education, the rise to education. There it is. Who are we talking to? Do we have any, like, do we have anybody guests? Who, anybody who needs to be educated. Oh, are we passing? Is this a microphone passing kind of thing? No. <laughs> okay. So you're safe to come to church. We're not going to be, <laughs> we're not going to be passing the microphone. So, <laughs> well, I can say that, you know, this has been between the summer series with all of the members speaking into our lives and these, and these movies, which we all love a good movie, whether we'll admit to what movies we like or not. Those did speak into our lives very, very succinctly this year. And very poignantly, there were so many good lessons to learn. So I hope you've enjoyed that as much as I have. That's going to do it for this week. We'll see you all next week as we get started on the new uh, the new series. And uh, continue to share and send your feedback. And most of all, have a great week. Have a great week.